Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative in which every story, every character points beyond itself to one who is greater. The story of Adam and Eve is not just about the first man and woman. There is a true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is ascribed to us. There is a true and better Abel who, though innocently slain, has blood that cries out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. There is a true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and go out into the void to create a new people of God. There is a true and better Isaac, the son of laughter, of grace, who was not just offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us all. There is a true and better Jacob, who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserve, so we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us. There is a true and better Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his new power to save them. There is a true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and who mediates a new covenant. There is a true and better rock of Moses, who struck with the rod of God's justice, now gives us water in the desert. There is a true and better Job, the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for and saves his foolish friends. There is a true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. There is a true and better Esther, who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. There is a true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. There is a true and better Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain so the angel of death will pass over us. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light, and the true bread. The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative that points to one person, Jesus. Good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. That is what today is about. It is celebrating Jesus. And so if you're a guest with us here this morning, we are grateful to have you and to have you. And we don't know where you're coming from, but wherever it is, if you are searching, you're exploring, you're curious, or you are a follower of Jesus already, we're grateful to have you with us and those who called us your church home. Again, this is the day that we are able to celebrate the event in history that one of the writers in the scripture, the apostle Paul said, without the resurrection of Jesus, our faith is worthless. So that we would be, should be pitied among all people if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Because that means everything he said and did doesn't matter. He would just be a good moral teacher. But as one philosopher said, Jesus claimed to write, that he would rise from the dead. So if he was a moral teacher and he never did, then he was a liar. Or maybe at best, a lunatic. But because he rose from the dead 
And there's evidence for that, reasons to believe in that we'll talk about in a little bit. But because of that, it confirms that He is Lord. And so today we celebrate Easter morning. Watchman E once said this, Our old history as humans ends at the cross, but our new history begins with the resurrection. And that is what we celebrate here today. And our theme is that Easter changes everything. We believe that we're coming and we all come from different places here today, but my guess is many times we come in and we feel maybe hopelessness, maybe anxiety, maybe stress, maybe difficulty in in relationships. But we're here today to celebrate hope and that Jesus really can and does change everything. But so you don't just have to hear from me. I want to invite someone up. Mark, come on up. Mark Heavey is going to share a little bit about his journey and his story. So welcome Mark to the stage here. All right. He has this Sunday suit on. He's a he Chi- says I'm looking good. Yeah, well, good. And he's not, so he's a Chicago guy, so this is like midsummer right here. So It is. Yeah. Summer all the time. <laughs> Mark, tell us a little bit about uh, your, your story, your journey, uh, kind of what happened before you were a Christian. So my life before Christ, um, although there's many facets to it, I think it was really characterized by false identity. And there's voices that came in my head that I was a failure. I wasn't good enough. I never amount to anything, and people didn't love me. So then you create these coping skills to deal with that. And I created this, much like Teresa said, this performance. If I perform, if I succeed, if I achieve all these things, that people won't see the failure. They'll see the successes. They'll see this, um, all the things that I've achieved and attribute that to me. The other thing I did was, because I'm a natural introvert, um, which this is crazy for me, but I'm a natural introvert, so I built up walls. And then people couldn't see the true me because who would love the guy that's always a failure and can't succeed? But, but those left this void. You'd think they'll solve something, but they leave this void. Um, and so then I self-medicated through the, the, the pain, the, the lust, the pride, the um, toxic relationships, and those... <laughs> Those didn't solve anything either, and so I had escaped through media, through video games, through whatever I could to avoid the pain and the loneliness that I felt. So it was a mess before coming to Christ. It really was. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks for sharing that part. We, we, I think we all were a mess and, and still are in process all the time. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what happened. Uh, what was the turning point for you? Yeah, so in college, all of this became a reality. That video it wasn't just self-medicating image. This isn't false stuff. The reality that Jesus died for my sin, um, that he rose again, that really happened. Um, and that he's sitting on the throne interceding for me. My prayers are stored in bowls around his throne in heaven, and someday I'll see him. That was a reality, a powerful reality for me. But there was still that voice of the past. You'll never be good enough. You'll never succeed. And I turned it into Christian perfectionism. If I just read enough, pray enough, serve enough, then then uh, the world will see me as different. Everybody here will see me as, wow, he's got it together and I want to get to know him. And I just proved to myself and to God that I belonged here. But there is still that void that it really, there's just something deeper that I was missing, even though it seemed like I was doing all the right things. Um, and I couldn't perform my way out of it. 
And that really changed. A couple years ago, I went through a Bible study where I learned the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt being about the things that I've done. And this was about the guilt. I grasped that. And I saw myself as that wicked person that needed saving. But the shame was about who I was. And that's what God needed to touch on. And through those years, still going through this, he really dug deep in me to establish I'm not the things of the past, but I am a loved son of God. And I'm not defined by the, thing, the horrible things that I did or the addictions that I got involved in, but he was creating a new identity in me. And I'm, not, and I'm not the failure that I was, and I'm not unlovable, and I never was, because I have a God that loves me and who traded heaven for me. And so if all the acceptance is already there, and all the performing is already done on the cross, what's there left to do but to embrace the love that God always has had for me, and then to share that with others. So. No one's going to want to listen to me this morning, Mark. I'm going to have you come up after next time. (laughs) Well, I I appreciate your sharing part of that journey. And, uh, you know, is it safe to say that for you, that idea of the resurrection and Easter changed everything? And even that's what's still working in your life today. Still working. yeah. It takes a while to get that old man out and believe the truth. Yeah. Well, I'm still figuring that one out too. So, <laughs> hey, we want to thank you, Mark. Let's give him a hand for sharing here this morning. I am totally going to steal what he said. That was amazing. So, <laughs> great job. So, the, the idea this morning is this we are going to look at a story. That was of a couple of guys who were journeying and they had questions like Mark had. As they were walking on the road, they were wondering what all of this could mean. And they had hope in who Jesus might be. And they had thoughts about who he was, but they had questions. And they were wondering what this was all about. And Jesus meets them on the road. It's in Luke chapter 24. And in Luke chapter 24 is the morning of the resurrection. It's that very first Easter and all of Jerusalem was packed with people because they were there celebrating the Jewish feast of Passover, which is actually happening this week right now. And and they're there and they're celebrating the fact that uh, God one time led their people out of Egypt when they were in slavery. And so Passover is all remembering that God passed over their people as a sacrifice, an actual lamb. And, And that was God's way of saying, if you do this, you're following me and it's a sign of my covenant on you. And then I'll lead you out of Egypt. So they're celebrating Passover. And now the week when Jesus was crucified, he was there in Jerusalem celebrating as well and all the crowds were yet this time jesus was coming knowing as he told his followers beforehand that this time he was going to be handed over and he would be the sacrificial lamb for all of mankind not a temporary passover to temporarily pass over your sins but once and for all and so jesus then was crucified on friday now jesus once said that i will be handed over, I will be killed, but I will rise on the third day. So on the third day, some people went to the tomb. 
Now, I know when you, we hear this story today, if you're coming as a skeptic and you hear this, you say, this is crazy, these myths that Christians believe. But something about this story has stuck. Something about those first witnesses took off. There was power behind this story. More than just a story. So on that very first morning, in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, said, two of them, this is two of Jesus' disciples, not the, the closest ones, but they were followers of Him. It says that they were walking that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're on this seven-mile journey, this walk. They're leaving. It's Easter morning. And they were talking with one another about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus Himself approached them and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing Him. And Jesus said to them, What are the words that you are exchanging with one another as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. You see, on this very first Easter morning, they were still confused. Even though Jesus said He would rise from the dead. Even though they heard that He wasn't in the grave. Even though some people who went to the grave said, We saw this appearance of angels who said He's not here. Why do you look for the living among the dead? They've heard this and they're talking with one another saying, What does all of this mean? What is really happening? And we find one of the first things that, that I believe that Easter changes, the resurrection changes, and it moves us from blindness to sight. You see, they were walking with Jesus, but their eyes were prevented from seeing Him. Sometimes we can see something, but we don't really see it. A few years ago, my, a friend of mine told me a story, and he was sitting out front of a, of a coffee shop, and it was in one of those coffee shops that's in a strip mall. And he's sitting on the table outside having a, his little cappuccino or whatever. And, and he was just, you know, enjoying the morning reading. And it was a quiet morning. And he said, while he sat there, a man walked by him dressed in a clown suit. <laughs> now, for some of you, that's like, you know, that's a horror movie right there. But so he looks up and this guy, a clown, walks in front of him and they make eye contact. So he says, hey, how you doing today? And the clown was walking very fast, looking flustered. And he says, I I'm fine, I'm really busy. He goes, oh, okay. And the clown walked by him into another store or down the, the strip mall. A few minutes later, the clown came out walking even faster, looking very frantic. He goes out into the parking lot and he has that look of, I can't find my car. You know that look when you're out there and you kind of, all right, where did I park? And so he's starting to walk this way and that way. And he's, and he, my friend even said he even had the clown shoes on. So picture him kind of clopping around like, where is my car? As he's looking and finally he finds it, the clown gets in his car and drives back. And one last time he makes eye contact with my buddy. They see each other. He sees him and he kind of gives that wave like, I saw the whole thing. <laughs> and, and then he yells out, my friend says, hey, have a good day. And the clown says thanks and waves and then he drives off. That's how his morning's going. About 20 minutes later, another man walked up to my friend, this time wearing a nice suit. And the man says, hey, sir, have you, how long have you been out here? About a half hour. Have you seen anything unusual today? <laughs> and my buddy, he's like, um, I actually, I can't think, no, I haven't seen anything unusual. I've just been out here. And he goes, you haven't seen anything weird? No. And then the guy in the suit said, have you seen a guy dressed like a clown? And my friend said, oh, well, yeah, I did see that. Did you, did you, did, what was he doing? He goes, well, I asked him how his day was going. You talked to him? Yes. Well, what did he say? He said, he's busy. And the guy said, okay, then what? 
Well, then I saw him run out to the parking lot, and he looked really frantic. He got in his car, and he, when he left, we waved, and I told him to have a good day. You told the clown to have a good day? Well, yes, I did. The guy in the suit pulls out a badge. He's part of the FBI. And he said, that clown just robbed the bank next door. <laughs> and my friend starts putting it all together. You see, he saw what happened, but he didn't really see. And then all of a sudden, the pieces started going together. The bank robber walked by him looking frantic and busy. And the bank robber said, I'm really busy today. <laughs> the bank robber enters the bank, comes running out, though he's dressed like a clown, and he can't find his car. He's nervous. The bank robber gets in his car and drives away. And my friend waves at the bank robber and says, have a great day. <laughs> you see, sometimes we see, but we don't really see. And when we get the pieces, sometimes the difference between blindness and sight is belief. And on the road here, two disciples are walking with Jesus. And they see him, but they don't really see. It's not making sense yet because they still lack belief. Did Jesus really come out of the grave? And their eyes couldn't see. Here we are 2,000 years later, and the story of the resurrection continues. One of the things that we know is that, that historic, it, biblical accounts, but also historians have written about Jesus. We do know there was a person named Jesus who was a teacher. He taught in Galilee. He taught with power. There's rumors that he could perform miracles. We know that this historical figure named Jesus was crucified on a cross by the Romans. He was laid into the grave. And we know that according to history, that on the third day, he wasn't in the grave anymore. Now, there was up to 500 people who would testify and said, we saw the risen Jesus. We saw him after he rose from the dead. We ate with him. It was, he was there. Some people will say that this is just a myth, that they are just trying to trick people and it's a big cover-up scheme. Let me ask you this. If you were a first century follower of Jesus believed in Him, you'd want it to be true. When He died on the cross, you'd be confused. But when He rose from the dead, it confirmed everything you believed. Now, if He didn't really rise from the dead, if they were just covering this whole thing up, why is it that every one of Jesus' closest disciples, except for one, was killed for their faith. If it was a cover-up, why would they be tortured and beaten and locked into prison? Why would they, one, be crucified upside down? One had his head chopped off. Why would they do that if they're just doing an elaborate prank on the world? This isn't our day. If this happened today, sure, you'd get a spot on CNN. You'd be able to write a book. You would make millions off of this story. But in the time of Christ, it wasn't worth anything. It cost you your life, your reputation, your family. It should cause us to wonder, if this is not true, why did the people who said they saw Jesus rise from the dead, why were they willing to give it their entire lives for Him? So, the resurrection... On this first day, we see the resurrected Jesus and some of his followers here, though, see, but they don't yet see. As we continue to read the story, 
Jesus asked them that question. What are you talking about? And it says one of them named Cleopas. Did we hear that name before in the Bible? There you go. Uh, Cleopas answered and said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who's unaware of the things which happened in these days? He looks at Jesus like, are you kidding me? You don't, you haven't heard about what happened here. And Jesus said to him, well, what things? And they said the things about Jesus, the prophet in mighty and deed and word and the sight of God and all the people, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death. They crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since all this happened. And some of the women among us amazed us when we were at the tomb or they were at the tomb early in the morning. They did not find his body. They came saying that we've seen a vision of the angels that said he was alive. And some of us who were there went to the tomb and found it exactly as they said. But they did not see Jesus. So they're recounting this story and we find here the other thing is notice what things that they're saying. We were hoping that Jesus would be real. We were hoping that everything that he said was true. The more and more I study and learn about Jesus, the more I see how he's filled with mercy and grace and the love that he pours out on others, how he welcomes in the outcast, how he just everything that Jesus is about makes me want his story to be true. They were hoping that all of this was true. One thing that we find with Easter is that one thing that changes is that we can change from despair to hope. At this moment, they were feeling despair. They were thinking, well, now what? If Jesus isn't real, if He's not going to rescue our people, if He's not going to give us hope, now what? Do we ever experience despair in this world? Turn on the news for five minutes and you find stories of despair, not hope. I'm not sure why we have a fascination with despair, but every story has to be about something negative, something bad. I've talked to more people in the last year who said they just don't find hope in this world anymore. They don't have hope in our politicians on either side of the aisle. They don't have hope in in any protesters on either side of any situation. They feel like division is what defines us now. And I've had more and more people say, ah, I just can't see anything getting better. We walk around without much hope. See, but Jesus Christ spoke about hope. He spoke about hope for today, even as Mark shared with us, that there is significance that we can find for today. That it's not found in our performance, it's not found in in what we can offer, but it's found in what God offers to us. There's hope beyond for life beyond the grave. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if you die. Meaning there is another world that we can hope in. That what happens here is not the end. There is hope. So Easter reminds us that we can move from despair to hope. And then finally, continuing with the story. After they told him all these things, Jesus in verse 25 says, O oh, foolish men, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them all the things concerning himself in Scripture. 
And he approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting towards evening, and the day is now nearly over. So Jesus went to stay with them, and when he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, and Jesus blessed it. Breaking it, he began giving it to him. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And Jesus disappeared from their sight. Now, was that just like vanished or did he walk away? It doesn't really matter. But he has this moment where he, they finally realize who he is and then he leaves. <laughs> but we find here the other thing that happens with Easter is we can move from confusion to clarity. See, in this story, these disciples were confused. They were talking about Scripture. They were talking about Passover. They were talking about the story, talking about everything that happened. And they were saying, this doesn't make sense. And Jesus says, all right, how can you not believe everything that was written in your Scriptures? See, those disciples would have believed what we call the Old Testament. It's about two-thirds of our new Bible. It was written before Christ, 400 years before He came and lived. There was prophecies about Him. Jesus actually began from the beginning to explain to them how their Bibles from the very beginning described all these things that had to take place. Began with this picture of of this perfect relationship between God and man. And then sin enters. Now some people tell me, and I've thought about, why should we all be sinners just because mankind somewhere in history sinned? And I say, okay, let's, let's act as if the first man never sinned. The early, our forefathers. I have, so now we're good. All right, so (laughs) all of us have sin in our lives. What does that mean? Essentially, it's this. The Bible describes it as, it uses this word called missing the mark, but essentially it's this. We want to play the role of God in our own lives. We try to take the seat of judgment. We want to be the ones in control. We want to do the things that God said, I can do for you. And that's this picture of sin. The result of that, of that wanting to have judgment, wanting to be in control, was that we started to feel shame and guilt. And then you have jealousy, and then you have anger, and then you have violence and hatred and all the things that define our existence. So sin enters in. Jesus begins from the beginning. But the very same chapter in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, that describes the first sin, God says, one day I will send my son and he will crush evil once and for all. It was the very first prediction that Jesus would come and have to come for us. He walked through Moses. We saw the video today that explained every step along the way was a foretaste of what God was going to do. Ultimately, Pointing, the prophets even described that one day a Messiah would come. Written hundreds of years before he come and came and said, by his wounds we will be healed. As this Messiah will be crucified and killed for your sins. Again, you say, this is archaic. Why does it work this way? In the ancient world, this made sense. In the Jewish world, they use animal sacrifices to temporarily cover up your sin. It was a ritual they had that started from the very beginning. But it was always temporary. And it was supposed to point the the way to ultimately one day a perfect lamb, God's son, would come to be sacrificed. 
See, it doesn't make sense in 2017 if we made this up today. But if you look at the whole history of Scripture from the beginning to the time when Christ came and was crucified, it makes perfect sense. It finishes the story. And so as Jesus spoke to them on the road, we found He showed them that according to your own law, you could never be perfect enough. You could never be holy enough to reach me. You could never accomplish all these things. You know the Ten Commandments? Most of us have heard the Ten Commandments. They have written 619 laws to tell you how to follow those ten laws. It's exhausting. It's difficult. It's something they could never attain to. And Jesus said, all of that is only to point the way that you need a Savior. You need me to stand in your place. And now we're even set free from that law. Our life is not about following rules. It's about our hearts being transformed because of what God has done. And that's what changes us. So on the road, they moved from confusion to clarity. As Jesus explained to them, everything pointed to him. Now I love this. Then he ate with them and he broke the bread. And as he gave out the bread, they recognized him. I believe what they saw was they saw the scars. And their eyes went, oh, I knew. And what they said at the end, in verse 32, were our hearts not burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? When I look at my life, when I became a follower of Jesus, at first, I, I, when I look back now, I could see how I saw God, but I didn't really see him. But then now the pieces start to make sense. And I think, oh, I was born into a family with loving parents. They gave me a picture of love. I was introduced. I even showed up at church from time to time. And I hated church when I was young. I hated it. But after I became a follower of Jesus when I was in high school, I look back and I remember a comment that a teacher made to me. I remember a comment that a youth pastor who I didn't even know made to me. I remember an invitation to an event. And I look back and I say, could it be that all along God was walking on the road with me? And when I look back, I realize my heart was burning. See, we are all made, I believe, the French philosopher Blaise Pascal said that we're made with a God-shaped hole in our hearts. That we have a void because we're made to be in friendship with God. And our hearts are burning when, we're, when he draws close. This morning, I want to invite the worship team to make their way back up. And as they make their way back up, the question for you is, what does Easter change for you? For many, you are followers of Jesus. You believe in him. You're, tr- you're in process. And by the way, as Mark said, hey, he said, I was a mess. But the truth is, we're all a mess. <laughs> I'm a mess. I'm in process. I have days when I say, wow, that looks like Christ was living through me. And there's moments when he's not. A friend of mine is, is with us today who I coach with. He, he knows there's times he goes, oh, is that very Christian? <laughs> I'm a mess. I'm in process. God's transforming my life. Today, is your heart burning? Maybe even as a follower, but you feel like, God, I just... I've been seen, but I haven't really been seen. 
but you drew close. You're walking on the road with me. What's your response today? I love the way G.K. Chesterton once said about the first Easter. He said, On the third day, the friends of Christ were coming at daybreak. They found the place of the grave empty and the stone was rolled away. In varying ways, they realized the new wonder, but even then, they hardly realized that the world had died that night. What they were looking at was the first day of a new creation, with a new heaven, a new earth. And in the semblance of a gardener, God walked again in the garden, in the cool, not of the evening, but of the dawn. This morning, we celebrate the dawn of a new life. And maybe some of you in here are saying, I need to experience that new life. And as we end our time with a couple songs, I just want to open it up and give you the opportunity. If you want someone to pray with you, we're going to have a space over here near the cross. And this could be you say, hey, I want to know more about this Jesus. We want to pray with you. Maybe it's you say, I I feel like my eyes are being opened and I want to see. I already believe, but help me. We want to pray with you. We want to invite you this morning to come and receive prayer. And I know you say, oh, if I do that, so many people are going to see me. (laughs) We're only going to celebrate everyone who wants to pray this morning. And uh, we also invite you, uh, you can let us know on a connect card if you want more prayer or if you want to make a decision for Christ and have someone follow up with you. You can write that and drop it in at guest services table or over to us here. This morning, we're on a road. Jesus draws near. He's walking with you. Do your eyes see? Are your hearts burning? And uh, while we pray, if, if there's more who need prayer, we'll have some other ministry leaders will come over and pray with you. That's a cue for those of you. who. Let's respond to Jesus this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. And I pray that for any of us in here today whose hearts are burning, Lord, would you help us see, just as those disciples that first day saw your scars and it all started to make sense, that the story from the beginning to now made sense, that it all had to happen this way. Lord, would you speak to us in this place? And uh, we're all in process, so we ask that you just keep working in our hearts and lives. And for anyone this morning who wants to take that step of following you, would you speak clearly to them now, God? And help their eyes see you. We thank you and give you this time.